Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, friends. My name is Greg. Um, Funny enough, Jesus is in the passage that I was going to read from today. This is from the Gospel of John, 13th chapter. Jesus got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. After he had washed their feet, he said to them, If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. When I first came to the world of Quakers, I was very focused on getting my own needs met. I had only recently become re-engaged with Christianity for this first time in my adult life. And I was seeking a place where I could be supported in my pursuit of an understanding of God and in a relationship with God. I tried pursuing these on my own and had made some progress. But I realized that if I wanted to go further, I needed the support of others. I needed people with whom I could safely share my tentative experiences of God, to whom I could ask my heretical questions about God, and with whom I could grow by engaging in dialogue. It was my great blessing that at Reedwood Friends in 1992, I found such people. Quite a few of them are in this meeting today. As I said, though, at the time, it was really all about me and getting my needs met. It wasn't about being part of a community. I'm not sure I even understood the concept of community at that time. And to the extent I did, I didn't want to make a commitment. I'm not beating myself up on this. I think that's entirely normal for anyone tentatively exploring the possibilities of the spiritual community after years or a lifetime without any such engagement. I realize, in fact, I hope that there are people here today who are doing exactly that. It is part of our practice of hospitality that we want you to feel welcome to use us to see if you can get your own needs met with nothing expected in return. Okay, maybe we will ask you to return the blue porter page insert in your bulletin, (laughs) but you can leave it blank. 
Slowly, almost imperceptibly, things changed. I felt vulnerable asking my questions, but when people received them without judgment and responded with intelligence and heart, my defenses became to come down, began to come down. After all, when another person holds and validates a piece of your pain, it's hard to remain disengaged. And when they share a bit of their pain with you, it's even harder. It can be hard to find people with whom you can have such exchanges. And when you do, you want more of them in your life. After one particular round of joys and concerns that contained quite a few di very difficult situations, I remembered thinking, wow, people here have a lot of hard stuff going on in their lives, way more than most of the people I know. A little later on, I remember thinking, no, most people have this much hard stuff in their lives. It's just that this is a place where it's safe to talk about it. Slowly, I came to a new understanding that community was not just a collection of good people, but perhaps more importantly, it was a way of being with each other. We washed each other's feet. The passage I read from John's Gospel is one of the most familiar in Scripture. <clears throat> it received fresh attention last year when Pope Francis washed the feet of refugees, many Muslim, during Holy Week. The focus seems to always be on the one doing the washing, leading us to reflect on and appreciate what holy service this is, making us a little squeamish as we imagine doing the same ourselves. But I also try to think about the experience of the refugees. Often, by the time someone walks through the door of this meeting house, they have been walking for a very long time, through difficult and perhaps hostile terrain. Their feet are dusty and cracked. Their nails have split. There may be bacterial or fungal infections. Yes, it may be difficult to gamely take such a foot and bathe it, but I think it can be at least as difficult to uncover one's own foot in such condition and say, this is my foot. Repulsive as it is, could you please take it into your hands and care for it? I love the reciprocal nature of Jesus' commandment. You ought to wash one another's feet. For this to be fulfilled, we have to take turns. Sometimes we're the ones doing the washing, but sometimes we have to be the ones whose feet are being washed. Remember, in the story, Peter initially refuses to allow Jesus to wash his feet until Jesus tells him, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. A willingness to be vulnerable is just as essential to building community as a willingness to be of service. I've been thinking a lot about all this during my spring semester seminary class, Intro to Pastoral Care. 
I don't know about you, but the phrase pastoral care seemed intimidating to me. I mean, who am I to think I can do pastoral care? That's the stuff Mike and Mark do. That's way out of my league. Then again, as we were warned in class, pastors aren't therapists. They aren't crisis intervention specialists. They aren't a lot of things. They need a long list of specialists to refer people to and the wisdom to know how and when to use it. So what then is pastoral care? As you might imagine, every author we've read has their own definition, sometimes several. But I particularly like the following by Emmanuel Lardy. He defines pastoral care by five characteristics. As, I, as you listen to these, I ask each of you to consider, does this describe me? If not as I am today, then as I aspire to be. First, pastoral care is an expression of human concern through activity. It starts from a heartfelt desire for humanity to be truly and fully human, for the total well-being of the whole person. This concern is then expressed through activity. Second, People who participate in pastoral care recognize a transcendent dimension to life. In other words, they believe there is more to life than meets the eye, a mysteriousness about life which is not reducible. This recognition characterizes and distinguishes the pastoral caregiver from other caregivers. Third, pastoral care entails multivariate forms of communication. Multivariate is an academic mouthful, <laughs> but it means that verbal communication is just the beginning. And many other forms beyond speaking are involved. Listening, touching, laughing, crying, Praying, sitting in silence. Fourth, the motive of pastoral care is love. Pastoral caregivers seek to place themselves within this love of God and to become agents and conduits of it. The key is the realization that the love of God is for the whole world created and affirmed in its diversity by the creative energy of God. And fifth, pastoral care aims at prevention and fostering. While there is certainly an aspect focused on addressing the pain of those in crisis, pastoral care also aims at preventing distress where possible by creative anticipation and sensitive, non-intrusive awareness building. It's about creating healthy communities where humans can grow to their full potential. Knowing many of you as I do, I suspect many of you see yourselves as already deeply engaged with a lot of this work. 
both within this community as well as in the other communities of your life. As Quakers, we know that this work isn't something that we've hired Mike and Mark to do for us so that we don't have to do it. We accept that this work is work each of us is called to do, to the extent each of us is able, using the gifts that each of us has been blessed with. As I continue to reflect on how we as a community release Mike for his sabbatical, I think less about how we prepare, remember to order toner cartridges for the printer and more about how we prepare ourselves to provide something close to the level of pastoral care that we have come to know from Mike. Because I know how much pastoral care we are already doing and what rich gifts for pastoral care reside within our community, I have great faith that we can do this. In fact, I think one of the most exciting visions for West Hills, a vision that this sabbatical gives us the opportunity to move closer toward is to be a community of people committed to offering pastoral care to one another and to all who come through the doors of our community seeking pastoral care. I wanna close with some related words from my professor in this class, Jim Higginbotham. Jim is not a Quaker but his call is one that fits well within our tradition. He says, the point of theological reflection is not simply to contemplate or comprehend the world as it is, but to contribute to the world becoming what God intends it to be. Religious reflection is always an interpretive circle, beginning with practice, moving toward generalizable theological concepts, and then back to inform our practice. This disciplined rhythm of reflection, action, reflection by members of a community faith is what I call practical theology. It is the mission to which all members of communities of faith are called. It's not just the ordained individual who does practical theology, but persons acting in their capacity as members of the community of faith. In fact, the power of practical theology is most fully actualized when it is done not individually, but collaboratively. By leaders of a congregation, Christian communities, congregations as a whole, or faith-based community organizations, the subject of practical theology should not be I, but we. The subject of practical theology is a community of faith. Some queries. What are the ways that I offer pastoral care to others? Whom do I allow to offer pastoral care to me? And what can I do to help this community practice pastoral care 